Hello and welcome. You are listening to Gay with God, a safe place for us to share our stories and support one another. How long did we know? What challenges did we face? Did we lose our faith? When did we find our way back home? Are we still searching? The stories you hear in this podcast will melt your heart and can strengthen your belief that in God, all things are possible. And you can be authentically gay with God. I am your host, Midge Noble, and I am very honored that you are here. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Gay With God podcast. I'm so excited that you're back again this week, and I'm also thrilled to see more uh, people subscribing and tuning in and downloading. I just love you guys for all of that. And I am so happy that we have lots of people that have signed up for guests for the month of February. And I'm always looking for people for March. So y'all sign on and we'll get this this party going. So today I have another amazing guest for you. And I'm so excited to introduce you to Reverend Michael Crumpler. He works as the LGBTQA and Multicultural Programs Director at the Unitarian Universalist Association and is an ordained minister in the United Church of Christ. Michael lives in Brooklyn, New York, and is very active in social justice ministry at the historic Judson Memorial Church of New York City, where he served as president of the board in 2016 to 2018. He is very passionate about intersectional ministry centered in Blackness, queerness, HIV, AIDS, economic justice, and emotional well-being. Michael has been published in two groundbreaking works related to HIV and AIDS on curating issue 42, What You Don't Know About AIDS Could Fill a Museum, and Spiritual Care in the Age of Hashtag Black Lives Matter. Michael, welcome to the Gay With God podcast. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. Well, I, I'm so glad that you're here. How's the weather up where you are? It is sunny and freezing. <laughs> and um, and ugly with snow. Oh. Um, we had, a, we had a, a, a huge snowstorm in the Northeast this weekend. And it wasn't so bad here in New York. I mean, it's really our first snow, technically. Um, and so it was fun. But uh, we'll see what happens. You know, those, those freezing days following, it just yes. kind of becomes a nice a nice box. Yes, yes. Well, we were we were a little bit luckier here in uh, in North Carolina. We got snow, but it's it was that heavy, uh, small amount of snow that was beautiful on the trees, and then it just starts mm-hmm. to melt. So uh, we're all good with that. Yeah. <laughs> but I love snow, so anytime I hear that there's big snow, I always want to gravitate to it. So, but that's that's me. So Michael, I'm so excited that you're here that I want you to have as much time as we can possibly squeeze into this time. So tell us your story. So I am, so, uh, you know, my, um, bio says that I live in Brooklyn, mm-hmm. but I'm really a Southerner. So you would, so when you said <laughs> North Carolina, my, uh, you know, my, my heart warmed and, and oh. I get all excited. I was born and raised in Southeastern North Carolina. Wow. And so I know how exciting it can be when it snows there <laughs> and the beautiful icicles that form on the trees because, mm-hmm. you know, it's not always, you know, it gets to melt and be all beautiful. But, um, but yeah, I'm a Southern boy. I was, um, I'm a country boy, really. Uh, my family is from <clears throat> Clinton, North Carolina. Oh yeah. And that's even like, you know, the big city, <laughs> we are, 
in in the woods behind Clinton, North Carolina, should I say? And um, and yeah, so uh, I spent my childhood uh, between North Carolina and New Jersey, mm. um, and I um, and I and I and I love to return there often. Much of my experience, uh, you know around being gay was was shaped in North Carolina mm. as well as in the city. So it's sort of um, a both and for me. I've uh, been out since my mid-30s, but for me, out is 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 not necessarily a um, you know, a black and white thing. Out is 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 a progressive movement um, for me, beginning as early as uh, you know, 18, 19. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm 47 years old, I think. And so also, like, which is so strange. Uh, not that I never thought I'd live this long, but it's just like, wow. I uh, feel like the, the older I get, the younger the, uh-huh. the 40s feel. Yeah. Um, and so um, coming out, I think for, for many of us, um, is new. I mean, you know, I, you know, I think that as, as times have progressed, you know what it means to be to be gay what it means to be queer how we refer to ourselves has evolved and so coming out has evolved growing up I don't necessarily think I understood the dichotomy between out and in Mm -hmm. you know gay and straight I think mostly I was just trying to um survive Mm. you know as 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 a young black person as uh you know as a person from like a, you know, a single parent home, not that my, my, not that my father wasn't out, was out of the picture, but just trying to survive circumstance. So, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes that was school, sometimes that was, you know, home, sometimes, you know, that was just uh, my own internal battles. And so um, while being gay was, was at top of mind always, um, as a young person, I think surviving and being successful um, and being, you know, and, and when I mean successful, I don't mean like becoming a millionaire per se. I mean, for me, surviving was graduating high school, yes. you know, um, yeah. finding a job as a, as, a, as a teenager so that I can, you know, be able to at least meet my own needs and help, help my mother meet our household needs. Um, you know, I had, uh, I was so, so, I mean, I had this ambition, this burning ambition to, to go to college mm-hmm. uh, and college wasn't necessarily a, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't something that, that anyone in my family took for granted. It certainly wasn't anything that I was being like forced to do. Um, but I just, um, when I was a kid, I had a, a, a God sister um, and, and I'll talk about my God family a little bit, but I had a God sister who when I was in the third grade, she graduated high school and went to college. And I just remember like, uh, you know, us driving her to college and mm-hmm. doing the dorm thing. And, um, and the college, the campus was beautiful. It was actually East Carolina university. And, mm-hmm. and I just was so um, like, wow. So from the age eight, I had this, like, I'm going to college and that's going <laughs> to, you know, that, and that was going to be my way out. So all that to say, um, while I knew that I was different um, and, you know, my, my main priority was just like, how am I going to become an adult? Mm-hmm. And, 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 and I don't think coming out as gay or talking about 
my attraction to men was was something that I had the, the language for, and it certainly was something that 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 terrified me. Mm-hmm. Um, not you know for a variety of reasons, but much of it because you know I was vested in like being accepted and 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 pleasing the adults in my family. And that just wasn't one of the things that that was going to do that. <laughs> now, were your were your did your birth family go to church? Were they connected to that message of of whether or not it was okay for their son to be gay? <laughs> we're black. We're black. Everybody goes to church. <laughs> church is like a big church is like you know a big part of family. Um, for for good and for bad I mean it wasn't so much like you went to church or you didn't go to church it was like your your life was defined by whether you went to church or not so my immediate family my mom so I'm the youngest I'm the I'm the third of four okay. in our family and my mom was 23 when she had me and her mother her mother passed away um when she was 19 mm. and and she's the youngest of 13 and so and her mother was you know like still probably like the 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 saint of the family like people speak about her like she did no wrong she went to church every day you did what she said she was a praying woman she just was like a huge matriarch of the family by the time she passed away she had 25 grandkids it was a huge we have a huge family and so church was everything and it was it was um should I say uh, I wouldn't say problematic but it was also like you know something that people ran from. So it was either like, you know, mm. you were in or you were out. So it basically defined your existence. So the, the religion that I grew up in was, uh, you know, probably like a, like a holiness Baptist, you know, quasi Pentecostal black, um, uh, you know, church, black historical church tradition. And so, mm. you know, um, and so my mom did not go to church. Like, I think by the time she was 18, she just, you know, didn't feel the need, did, didn't go, chose not to go, but she wasn't necessarily anti-God or, or anti-Christian at all. She just, I mean, you know, my, my house was the party house, um, <laughs> you know, she, you know, you know, they played spades and, you know, had, you know, five pit barbecues and, you know, we went to juke joints on Sundays and, and, and had, so, so I, you know, we were like, everybody came over to our house and, but I mentioned earlier, I have a God family. Mm-hmm. And so, um, who basically were started out as babysitters, but, but I was over there so much that I essentially sort of became, you know, a part of the family and, uh, and my godmother, who was much older than my mother, um, who's probably old enough to be my grandmother, she was a church going woman. So on when I went when I stayed with her, I went to church. So when I was over there, probably, you know, any given weekend, probably not every weekend, but any given weekend, um, they just they also are a large family, my God family, and tons of children, tons of siblings my godmother had, and and they were a little bit older, so it was a lot more like old timey. She lived in a you know, a hundred year old house that's still standing. Wow. You know, when I came along, you know, there was no like, there was no internal bath, there was no bathroom in the house. There was no like <laughs> hot, there was running water, but no hot water, but there was a well. Um, so I grew up very, like I said, Southern and without, without resources, but we didn't perceive ourselves as poor. You know, right. it was just kind right. of like country, country living, mm-hmm. you know, there was always food. There was always, 
more than what we what we needed and all. So I went to church with her, and um, and so there was this there was this sort of like kind of like two the tale of two yeah <laughs> two households if you yeah. will. So I did the partying with my family. Uh, you know that that was my that was one environment, and then the other environment was this very spiritual environment not you know hyper religious but certainly like no cussing you know <laughs> no like crazy music up in here um and it was um but it was more free as well like my mom was very disciplined like we had a bedtime you had to do your homework and so it was it was it was a very now that I'm an adult it, it explains a lot <laughs> <laughs> It's, I can imagine the uh, transition. It's almost like transitioning between two parents' households when there's mm-hmm. been a divorce. Exactly. Like there's usually the party house and then there's the trying to keep the kids in school and get their t- homework done. And, you know, there's all that structure. So you get to go back exactly. and forth between the two. Yeah. <laughs> it's exactly like that. Exactly like that. Um, and in both, in both situations, you know, I was, I was, I was very happy. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, as it comes to my sexuality, I was again, very, very anxious. Mm. Um, I didn't understand sex in both situations. Um, sex was not talked about. Uh, like I said, you know, I wouldn't, you know, my mom was not necessarily, you know, uh, mother Teresa around anything, you know, there was marijuana, there was alcohol, there was, like I said, cards playing, you know, gambling and all the things. Uh, but, mm. but we didn't talk about that. And <laughs> And my godmother, there was like, you know, you know, gospel music and um, church and um, revivals. And you still didn't talk about sex. And it was mm-hmm. just something that, you know, you, 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 just, you just didn't know much about, but it was always there. Mm-hmm. Um, and at a very young age, um, in both sides of my family, I was molested. So, mm-hmm. um, so that also and by men and that was also um very confusing mm-hmm. i didn't know that i was being molested i actually thought that it was just typical sex like oh I'm, I'm being shown attention and this is what sex is and and so that too became a secret so and i and i think that that um that abuse which only in my adult years have i gone to experience it as abuse it wasn't it was certainly mm-hmm. traumatic and traumatizing creates trauma in my own, and you know, in my being, in my body, in the way mm-hmm. that I think. However, it wasn't traumatic. It wasn't like this physical, like, like, like physical child abuse as if you're being like disciplined or something like that. It was, it was, a, I experienced that as affection. It wasn't fear-based. No, it wasn't fear-based. Mm-hmm. It wasn't okay. fear-based. It wasn't, um, wasn't fear-based. It wasn't terrorizing. It was, um, in, you know, as, as a child, I experienced it as affection. Mm-hmm. And, and intimacy it made me feel um special it mm-hmm. made me feel like <clears throat> it also made me feel it also made sense of of the am- ambiguous sort of different feelings that I was experienced um mm-hmm. and it also um connected with uh bullying I was experiencing in school around my mannerisms and the way I talked and the way mm-hmm. I walked and mm-hmm. and just how I, you know, wasn't athletic and wasn't interested in things. And, you know, I, I was, I was raised around women. So the way that I talked and the way that I referred to things and the way that I responded to people was very like, 
you know, it was very like, you know, girl, <laughs> exactly. Girl. Like, you know, and I have two older sisters. And so I was yeah. very much like, you know, popping everywhere and it was noticed in school. And it was, um, I would probably say that was much more terrorizing than even the abuse that I was experiencing mm-hmm. and traumatizing aspect of my formation really, really, I think, um, has, has, impacted my personality and 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 even how I respond to the world just um it has a lot to do with my own internalized racism because most Mm. cases it was um you know black friends black classmates um you know and even within my family maybe older cousins that were you know more much more rough and tumble trying to toughen me up um there was a lot of that too so that coupled with the um, secrecy around the sexual abuse, coupled with not talking about family was, was, was really, uh, you know, how I um, moved into or, or grew into my sexuality. Mm-hmm. Um, how I understood that, you know, some things just should, don't, shouldn't be talked about. Mm-hmm. You know, that um, if I'm going to get along and survive, I need to pretend not to be gay. Mm. Or, you know, I need to pretend to be straight. Um, If I'm going to um, have sex, it has to be, uh, you know, on the down low. Mm -hmm. Um, And I wouldn't necessarily, you know, that that was all. And and then on the outside, as long as I'm getting good grades or or working a good job or, 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 you know, having a professional path, then that's that's life. I've I've made it. You know, keep those things over. Keep everything organized, compartmentalized. You know, boundaried and superficial, and all will be well. Isn't oh that, wow! That... <laughs> <laughs> yes, it, it will be. It will be a well mess later in life <laughs> when it mm-hmm. all starts to collide together. <laughs> a hot mess. A, a hot, hot mess. mess. <laughs> and it was a hot mess (laughs) yeah so um so yeah so so that was how that got me to about that was my thing until about age 19 I did end up going to college I went to college in Washington DC at George Washington University and I got to DC and you know I discovered you know the gay community um and I would never I wouldn't even I don't, wouldn't necessarily say I discovered the gay community. I discovered, um, uh, you know, the sexual community, the, the homosexual gay community. And, you know, that was around the early 90s. So the internet wasn't around yet, but, you know, sex lines and phone lines and all those things were, were happening. And I just kind of fell over backwards into that, into, into that kind of secrecy that coupled with the fact that I'm, you know, a very intelligent uh, student in a a white Jewish elitist Northeastern kind of milieu of academia, George Washington is. Um, uh, And, and I, and I was majoring in a major that was completely out. So I was an engineering major. Oh, wow. Not, and not, as not my, not how I think didn't even know what an engineer was technically, but I was always an A student in math and science and that's what everybody was doing. So it was, um, it was very, very uh, 
disappointing for me to get to college and and to be, and find myself failing out of college mm. and um complicated with this um obsession for um you know um anonymous sex mm. and so i you know and it and, and it's scary and you know i didn't know any, i didn't know much about hiv aids and stuff i wasn't supposed to get it hiv aids and stuff i wasn't supposed to get it and so um uh, and so it was just a very, uh, it was horrifying. It was a horrifying mm-hmm. time in my, in my life. But I ended up bucking out of college and um, joining the Air Force. Hmm. Secrecy again. <laughs> More secrecy. So I, I um, you know, I, 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 I was very, one of the things with my family is that, you know, we're just not an elitist kind of a family. So, you know, like, and I've always, been viewed as like the golden child or the favorite one well-behaved hard-working smart you know there's always you know and I you know in my experience in every black family there's always that 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 first son you know that everybody is sort of like looking to to be the messiah the one who mm. doesn't go to, isn't going to jail you know isn't having you know kids out of what just like and I was that one that, that mm-hmm. everyone had a lot of expectations of. So all that to say, I joined the Air Force. And two weeks after joining the Air Force, I um, made a serious commitment to Christ. And in the middle of like all this confusion and all this pain and all this disappointment, Jesus was my answer. So I go to chapel and everybody goes to chapel in basic training. And it was very evangelical, um, and not not and and not not unlike the black church, but certainly not the black church. So it was also very like different. So I became I you know um, prayed the sinner's prayer and gave my life to Jesus. Mm. And literally, you know, I was like, all of that stuff is over now. Uh-huh. You know the the you know the the gay sex, the profanity, the any not just the gay sex, but any kind of sex. Mm-hmm. Um, because I still wasn't very clear about uh-huh. you know this or that, and 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 I just had a complete change in in identity really. Um, uh-huh. For and 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 so for the four years, I ended up staying in the Air Force uh, four years active duty, and that was literally my passion. I you know, obviously did my military thing. And in the evenings and weekends, I was in church, I was leading Bible studies. There was this like, there was this, um, when I got to the base that I was at in Mississippi, there was this um, airman's um, servicemen's ministry. I got very involved in that. And we would do camping trips and hiking trips and Bible studies and church retreats and things that I had never done before growing up. Um, I was living my little Boy Scout life with Jesus and the Bible and all of these like peers who didn't call me gay, who didn't, who just accepted me for who I was and as a Christian and, and, um, and I never, and, and I didn't have to like breathe a word of all the, you know, sort of mess that had happened theologically mm-hmm. that was like, you know, at the bottom of the ocean floor, you know, that was yep. all washed away um, yeah. by the blood of Jesus, you know. Hallelujah. Like <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah, honey. Like I was like, I was just 
and it was it was I just loved it I was just like honestly the, the time of my life in a lot of ways you know um I was celibate and I was proud and I was like and I became sort of like the little leader the little charismatic leader you know of the group um everybody loved me everybody followed me I picked up people I you know, through birthday parties, it was just, a, it was, it was a whole beautiful thing in, in my early 20s, at least, at least at the time. And um, so much so that I uh, decided to attend Bible college. It was just kind of like, you know, I'm like, I want to go back to college because that passion never left. So I ended up uh, separating from the Air Force and, um, and enrolling at uh, Moody Bible Institute in Chicago. And, and, and it, and it went well until it didn't. Um, slowly, <laughs> slowly but surely, out of the cocoon of the military and and this little community, this little you know um, community that I had sort of mm-hmm. co-created with others mm-hmm. at the time, um, you know, in a big city where mm-hmm. there's much more, um, you know. <laughs> much more gayness, much more, <laughs> you know, much more everything, really. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, just much more distractions, much more, you know, uh, much, much, you know, much more diversity of thought. Oh, yeah. Uh, I loved, uh, I loved Moody uh, at the beginning. And by the time, you know, I got to my senior year, I was, I was just about a train wreck. Um, I, um, you know, I slowly began to desire, you know, men and slowly began to really agonize over my spiritual life. Um, you know, why am I feeling this way? Why am I, what has happened to me? You know, does God not love me anymore? Still, no one knows. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, this time I'm pushing 23. You know, mm-hmm. no one really knows my sexuality, you know, the, you know, and this is like white evangelicalism, which really was all of that uh, in my military time. It sucked mm-hmm. And it was just a different world. I didn't really, I mean, my family is not necessarily, you know, like there's not a lot of talk around, around, there wasn't a lot of talk around civil rights and race and black liberation and you just were black and black was like something that you were culturally, but like, as far as like the, the, um, how can I say it? As far as like, I got the, 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 the social cultural dynamics of white, black, mm-hmm. you know, evangelical gospel, um, poverty, like I just didn't have that socioeconomic lens to really be able to mm-hmm. like tease out like what racism was, mm-hmm. what tokenism was, the difference between homophobia and white spaces versus homophobia and black spaces, like all of those dynamics were just work. It was all happening around me, but I just was, didn't really understand what was going on. I had a resentment against being black because of bullying growing up and just because of the hyper-masculinity and, and, and the, you know, homophobia, you know, mm-hmm. and I had a resentment against mm-hmm. evangelical white spaces because there was a more hostile, more um, just a more, a more hostile, more threatening, anti-gay streak that was there that just didn't, it just wasn't something that you just wouldn't be alienated. You were, you would be 
you know, annihilated. Yes. You know, <laughs> That's a great right? word. Yeah. You yeah. Know, there's, there's no coming it, back it, from that. I mean, if, if you, you can do anything in the world, but you bring the gayness into the white church and you're, you're done. You are done. You're done. Yeah. You're mm-hmm. done. It's like, can't come no, back from that. No, <laughs> there's just no space. And so, yeah. yeah. Um, and that was my experience. I was living it. I was living mm-hmm. it. I was living it. And, um, and it was very confusing. Um, I did eventually get married to a woman in order to, uh, in order to, and I, and I, you know, as I really reflect on the, the patterns, it's like, you know, one of my, um, what do you call it? One of my, you know, survival mechanisms is to hunker down when I'm, when I'm, when I'm in a space of, when I, when I experience threat. You assimilate. Really down. Yeah. You assimilate mm-hmm. to save your life. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. And so that's what I did. I got married to, I got married to a woman and um, shortly after our engagement, it became apparent to me that it was just the wrong decision, but I didn't know how to back out of it. Mm. I didn't know how to, I didn't necessarily have, I think the kind of support. I mean, my family was just kind of like, you know, they weren't disappointed per se, but I don't know. I just, they weren't, they weren't necessarily pushing me into marriage either. Um, uh, but like, it was just, uh, um, I wouldn't say a mess, but I was a mess on the inside mm-hmm. of it. Mm-hmm. Every, on the outside, everything was great. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was graduating college. I was, you know, becoming a minister at the time. I, you know, I was doing well. We bought a house. Um, so externally, everything was great, which was mm-hmm. very confusing to me. How could I, how could I be so happy on the outside and so miserable on the inside? And what does mm-hmm. it mean? Mm-hmm. And, um, and the old patterns, you know, after having been celibate for years, finally um, mm-hmm. found someone who was willing to marry me. And I think that was my experience mm-hmm. of the whole thing. Like, oh, wow, someone loves me. Um, mm-hmm. I have to marry them. You know, I immediately they'll begin to, uh, you know, have sex with men, you know, throughout mm-hmm. that marriage. And so, um, and it was, again, while I'm also like growing and becoming this voice, this evangelical voice, um, I was uh, going to re-enlist um, in the Air Force and become an Air Force chaplain. And so there was just a whole lot of, my life was going really you know, I mean, you, you know, I think this is true of many, many young professionals in our 20s, like things are happening, people are needing you, everyone's affirming you, you know, yep. all of that was happening really fast. I was really yep. articulate. I was really, you know, checking all the boxes. And, you know, there was this shadow side. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of that kind of came to a head uh, when I was 30, 33, 34, okay. when I, um, I um, became HIV positive. Mm. finally finally and... <laughs> that's <laughs> i finally did it <laughs> he just fell out of the chair <laughs> very t- <laughs> very telling <laughs> finally finally um, finally god slapped me really good <laughs> wake exactly. up exactly that was wake my up, you know my experience exactly um, so finally, I, be, I finally became HIV positive and it was not a surprise, but it was certainly a shock, oh, yeah. you know, um, and I didn't have any, again, 
this is like, you know, she's getting on up there. She's like 30, 33 years old. I didn't know. I still didn't know, you know, what the gay community was. Uh-huh. Everybody I'd ever had sex with was, was, was a one night stand or a one off or, or some anonymous hookup. And it was like, oh my God, who am I going to tell? What am I going to do? Am I going to die? It was very, very, um, you know, like I said, I was, I was, I, you know, I was just shocked. I was shocked. I didn't feel, and in a strange way, I was almost relieved because um, it would become my, my, um, it would become, uh, you know, what would free me. Uh-huh. I think a lot of us, um, a lot of people, uh, experience with HIV and AIDS is, it's always traumatic. It's always, um, you know, scary. It's, it's a life-changing event for many people. But for me, I mean, you know, the day that it happened, I immediately um, shared it with my wife. Who, yeah, like, like we had had conversations about my sexuality before. So it wasn't like I was hiding it as a complete secret from her, which was also one of the reasons why, you know, our relationship was existed just because there was an honesty that was there, but she didn't um, sign off on the sex outside of right. marriage. Either, right. You know? Right. 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 So it wasn't a surprise. It wasn't, you know, anything that she, but it was, I mean, she was sad. She had a lot of empathy and a lot of compassion. And for a few months there, we, uh, you know, continued to um to be together and then I until I came to the conclusion that like I can't live this way anymore and not mm-hmm. just it wasn't really even about her solely it was just like the whole thing mm-hmm. like, I'm not going into the air force I'm not going to become a chaplain I'm not going to become a minister I'm not gonna I'm I'm I'm, I'm just I, I can't live like this anymore mm-hmm. and I left or you know yeah, I left. I, I, I didn't, you know, I just left everyone, not just her, but everyone and every, everything to basically come out. So all of this is the answer to your, to your first and only question so far <laughs> is when did I come out? <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's what I love about this podcast, Michael, is because it, when I say tell you my your story, that's what I want. I want you to just flow and and you have flowed. So you've flowed all the <laughs> way through uh, to coming out. And and I'm really proud of you. I'm proud of you for for being in this moment and and looking at your life authentically. You know, this is where I was. This is how I assimilated. This is how I survived. This is all I knew. But I made the best of everything I was given and tried my hardest everywhere I went. And when it blew up, it's like, okay, pivot. <laughs> What's mm-hmm, next? Mm-hmm. You know, you just kept pivoting until that cycle in the circle came around. And I, I thought yeah. too, when you said your shadow side was there, the, the thing that immediately came into my mind was that shadow side was your authenticity waiting to come into the mm-hmm. light. You know, mm-hmm. we see it as a shadow side so often. And we look at ourselves as, as not enough when if mm-hmm. we if you could have come out when you were 18 when you were younger the the trajectory of your life would not be quite as colorful that's for sure but because <laughs> you've done a lot of cool stuff but <laughs> exactly like and honestly you know i often like if only i'd come out when i was 18 yeah if i wouldn't have 
like yeah. there's just no like, yeah like, there, like if there's no there's no way right that anything that happened could have been different there are other right. things that could have been different like I can imagine like if only I had switched majors before my grades started to fail at yeah. or if only I had like continued to um you know, remain in the military, you know, long enough for don't ask, don't tell to be repealed or a phony yeah. guy. I mean, those are more probable than I, but I can't imagine any situation where I'm 18, I'm going to tell my mama. No. Who did mm-hmm. not play Mm-mm. that I am gay. Like no. that no. is, and you know. And, and that's even her, the like, truth. Like, oh my God, you should have, you know, by the time I was 33 and I told you like, oh my God, you should have told me. I was just like, girl, <laughs> what would you have done? <laughs> Which shoe would you have hit me with? <laughs> okay, exactly. Okay. <laughs> I yeah. mean, theoretically, <laughs> she was not an abusive person, but right. she just didn't play. Yeah. And, I, you know, and that's how things, that's how things, that's how I got to where I got like that. But like, you just yeah. don't do crazy stuff. Yeah. And so yeah. anyway, yeah, I personally, you know, could not have imagined it happening any other way. Right. Right. And that's the truth of all of our lives that we go through this. I think on a trajectory of where we are at the time. And, mm-hmm. and that's, that's why this podcast is so important to say to people who hear it, if you're on that trajectory, can you see mm-hmm. that you're on it? Can you get off of it? You know, yes, you can survive it. No, you don't have to kill yourself. Yes, you can be gay with God. Exactly. Yes, just take a exactly. breath. Find one of us. <laughs> Find anybody exactly. on this podcast. Not only can you be gay with God, you are gay with God. Exactly. Like, your sexuality is your sexuality is how you are wired. Mm-hmm. Like you how you how you your desires, your attractions you know, is, is all a part of, you know, being. Yeah. Right. And there's no real existence outside of who you are, you know? Yeah. And so it's, so it's, it's, it's like, you know, an oak tree is an oak tree, you know, uh, a bird is a bird. Like we are how and who we are. We're the only creatures that, you know, twist ourselves into pretzels to be something that we're not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in order to worship god mm-hmm. um it's very very um it's very very sad and tragic mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's very unnecessary i mean i think mm-hmm. that um you know now i'm obviously you know uh, a progressive uh you know a liberationist i like to like 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 to call myself um and when we out you know what what really turned for me you know spiritually was when I was able to connect my queerness to my blackness mm-hmm. and then connect my blackness to, 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 you know, the movement, you know, abolitionists and connect abolitionists to, you know, you know, Christ the liberator, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and to see that my sexuality is not anti-Christian it is the most Christian aspect of who I am. Like yeah. this battle within and, and this battle against uh, society and cultural norms and religious, um, you know, and, relig- and religion mm-hmm. is, and then, you know, this battle against oppression is in essence, you know, there is a red line that goes through history and through creation and that, you know, that, that my current experience 
it's consistent with, you know, the struggle of peoples throughout time um, mm-hmm. uh, to become free mm-hmm. from oppression and, and, and abuse and, and all the things. And, and so that, like I said, our experience as queer people, our experience as, as, you know, people on the margins, you know, is, is, is not outside of the gospel, but it is the gospel. Mm-hmm. It's reverend. So I love the fact that you are a reverend. I love the fact that, that you found that place. So before we, before we go to that, let me back up just a minute and, and ask when you did come out, when you decided, okay, this is it, I'm coming out. And your mama graciously said, well, you should have told me. And we know why, why you didn't. So, but how did that turn out when you just openly said, okay, guys, <laughs> this is me. Here I am. What happened? Who fell out? <laughs> Who fell in, in line with you? <laughs> how did that go? So, <laughs> so it, it was a mess ah. in a lot of sense. Um, it didn't get, it didn't get, it was ugly for a long time, probably for the next three or four years. Um, I um, was living in South Carolina at the time. And which is, you know, again, not where you want to be living when you come out. I mean, there are a lot of people who survive being queer in the South. I am not one of them mm-hmm. um, who can deal with it. Um, and so I moved, I relocated back to Chicago where I, where I had, you know, up to that point had lived for about 10 years now. And I, and I kind of, you know, I stayed in contact with family, but I didn't go to North Carolina. I didn't go to New York, New Jersey, which is where my family is essentially based. And I, um, went to Chicago and just sort of, you know, uh, sought out to rebuild, to rebuild my life. I, um, ended up pretty much right away all connections with any kind of evangelical friends or or Christian white people kind of a thing. It was just sort of like, I can't, you know, I mean, it kind of, it kind of fell away. It really didn't get um, antagonistic until social media happened. I mean, you know, this was probably about three, four or five years before Facebook you know, mm-hmm. and Twitter and all of that. So, you know, people, you know, like you talk to people on the phone, mm-hmm. you know, and, or, you know, whatever you hear from them when you hear from them. Mm-hmm. Um, when social media came about, um, it, I think that that's more, more out of me than anything. Um, and, and that kind of separated, you know, relationships. My family was, you know, like, I actually be, have have over over time become much closer with my family. There was never any. I mean, there people would you know with, with opinions and ideas and mm-hmm. attitudes, but it was never. I it kind of really affirmed to me how much they loved and respected me, and and probably you know if I I have a way of <laughs> of being that kind of makes something true to my family. So um, over the t- over time, it's been beautiful. Um, yeah, over time it's been beautiful. I certainly uh, distanced myself from evangelical Christianity, still yet without without an alternative. It was just really like um, didn't really connect well with the gay community at first. Um, I went to gay bars and I, you know, I had the gay sex, but I didn't necessarily get politically involved. I didn't understand. I didn't even understand or know about 
that aspect of us. So I'm really glad that your family is closer. And I know that there is a lot that had to happen throughout that, that mm. time, a lot. But let's talk right now about where are you at at this point in your life? I know that you're doing so many things for our community now. And so tell us a little mm-hmm. bit about where you're at now and how people can get in touch with you. I do a lot of things in the community. I obviously have my professional life. I am a minister and I don't keep too many you know, barriers between those worlds. Uh, it's one of the things I love about living today after so much years of compartmentalization mm. today that I can have a whole life um, a life that is authentic, a life that is, you know, um, much more, more, more open mm-hmm. and, and, and free mm-hmm. and also I love, um, uh, one of the most important areas of my life is, um, you know, the recovery community, um, mm-hmm. that I am heavily involved in. I love working with, um, particularly black, queer, and trans folks who are recovering from, from, from addiction. So I do a lot of work there. Um, I do a lot of, um, you know, just social justice work. Um, I don't even like to call it that, that I do a lot of uh, community work uh, mm-hmm. in supporting the movement for black lives and, mm-hmm. and, and dismantling white supremacy work mm-hmm. and so forth. And I do a lot of preaching and so forth, but I didn't just come out. Those things just, just don't come out and these things happen. There is a yeah. beautiful formation, uh, Uh, story there that Mm -hmm. I would love to uh, share more later. Well, and I'm glad you said that because I was going to ask you to come back because I know that you have another meeting and we're right up at the top of this hour. And so what I want to do is I do want to invite you back. So after Mm -hmm. we're done, um, I want you to share with me some links that people can connect with you. And then I'll put Mm -hmm. those on the show page. But later, I'm going to invite you back. And I want us to go deeper into not only the formation of of you and all of the things that have happened. But, um, you know, I know you and I talked earlier that there is a lot of deeper shadows that you had. And I think it's relevant for my, for my guests to know that. So I'm going to ask you back, but until then, is there a quick way for people to get in touch with you if they want to, from this, from this time that you spent with us? Yes. So you can follow me on Twitter at MJ Crumpler. So uh, at MJ Crumpler. I also am building uh, um, a spiritual wellness community called um, the um, the Black Yard Collective NYC. <laughs> so um, you can find that on Instagram and eventually on Twitter. Okay. Uh, and we're building a Facebook page. So those okay. are the spaces where I'm most active. Um, I also have a WordPress where I um, do some writing and you can search a WordPress uh, Uh, at MJ Crumpler. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. So thank you so much for honoring us with your, this part of your story, um, Michael, and I'm, and we will get back in touch soon, I hope, but thank you so much for being here today. And I want to thank Thank you. And I want to thank our listeners for coming back each week, supporting, sharing, and subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to see more information and links to connect with Michael, go to the Gay With God show page at empoweredmidge.podbean.com. If you are questioning whether you can be gay and be in a relationship with God, Michael's already told you, if you are authentically gay, God has always been within you. Even when you didn't know it, you have always been gay with God.
Thank you, everybody. See you next week. Stay tuned to hear how you can join the Gay With God community and check out our Facebook group on Facebook, of course, Gay With God. See you guys next week. I want to invite you to become a part of the Gay With God community. How can you do that? Stay connected by messaging me your thoughts and comments in the comment section under the downloads of the show on the Gay With God show page. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen and share, share, share so we can increase our community outreach and be a light to those who are struggling to claim their faith. Consider being a sponsor so I can highlight your service in our community. We are all worthy of respect and a relationship with the God of our understanding. I want to thank you in advance for supporting this podcast. Together, we as a community will keep this show visible and our community stronger. Deep gratitude to my friend Tim McClendon of Tim McClendon Music for allowing me to use an excerpt from Interlude 4, a song found on his CD entitled Sundance.